good day. Hello. Let me get myself set up here. This is uh, my technical stuff, so give me a second. Got some things to share here today, and um, let's go here. Give me a second. All right. All right. We're just relaxed. We're not, you know, we're just going to share some stuff today here. Okay, this is Alexandria right here. On this side, this is Gary here. Okay. So I've got the, I've got this on for technical reasons. Because I can't hear otherwise in my program, so that's the way you do it. Um, anyways, it's not, I don't use this for the microphone for those people who tell me to get another microphone. So anyways, um, I've had two visions. We'll start off with that. It's the narrative of the program. And I think it's been like four days ago now, maybe five. I don't know. I've lost track. But in the minutes prayer meeting here on the, uh, the ranch here, uh, me, Gary, Alexandru, we get together every day at uh, 7 in the morning, coffee, prayer, Bible study. Um, this is uh, the headquarters of Love Without Chain, Event Change, which is a nonprofit. Anyway, so um, I had a vision in the, in the morning, and I, I can't find a hat. But it was what do you call that kind of the what kind of uh, yeah? But there's a term for it. Oh, cryptic camouflage. Okay, it was cryptic cryptic camouflage. So it, it was a little strange to me because first place I saw what looked like a satellite, but it was inverted. In other words, instead of being open up like this, it was like it had been set down upside down. And then next to it was like two military vehicles, vaguely hard, to, you know, not easy to see. They were all in, in, in that cryptical thing. So, so to me, I was like, Lord, I, I don't know what this is. And um, but when I picked up my hat, one of my hats that I looked all over this morning for, I recognized that that was. The type of camel that I saw, and and I I was bringing the brother down to get his uh, per, what is it driving permit for his um, motorcycle. He knew what it was right off, and, and told me what it was. I just thought it was a strange looking camel. I told Gary there, uh, both of us, which would have been what what day was that that we went to the DMV, Gary? Wednesday, Monday. Wednesday. Okay, it would have been Wednesday. So Wednesday, and it had already been like a couple, two to three days after the vision. Okay, and I and I just told I told Gary because he was still in the DMV. I said, Hey, this is this is what I saw, and I said ah, I understand what the vision is about. And uh, I know people have been talking on the news about Russia being invaded. Uh, Russia invading the Ukraine, but you know I, I'm 57 years old, and you know um, Kim said he was going to bomb us once. China has said that. 
in our lifetimes, you know, they make threats, and they never happen, they never materialize, so, you know, you hear about this stuff, and then, you know, there's always peacekeeping, and there's also, you know, deacceleration and defusing of the situation, so I knew that all of those things were possibilities, okay, so anyways, so I'm figuring, I'm trying to be accurate, either it's been four or five days, okay, that I saw that. And, and I just said, I had a vision this morning. I don't understand what it is. But then it was Wednesday where I said, I understand the vision. And uh, I shared it both with both of them. So anyway, so it was that night, Wednesday night, that somebody texted me or something. Hey, Russia has invaded the Ukraine. So, but I, heard, I had shared that already. I said, man, we're, they, they are going to war. The Lord showed it to me in the vision. Um, what do you think? I'm just asking you, just in, you know, what do you think that, why do you think the camel was like that, Alexandria? Just, we're having a coffee chat here. Um, you know more about technical stuff. Talk up some people here. So the term is, the specific pattern is called cryptic. And, uh, and his vision, you said you also saw these satellite dish, satellite satellite, satellite dish. dish upside down and um, the military vehicles with the cryptic camera right correct so my my impression is that it means cyber warfare and when you do cyber warfare the objective is to either take down uh, an infrastructure that is built upon uh, software, for example, the electrical grid in the United States, or a company like Amazon, if you were to break into, if you were to do cyber warfare against Amazon, you can destroy their company from, through, through their networks. And the way you protect against cyber warfare is by encryption. You have to encrypt your data and he, he saw a cryptic camera. And he saw the satellite that was down, probably turned off. It could mean that there will be cyber warfare that will take down satellite dishes. Or communications of some kind. Yeah, communication okay. or whatever. So another thing is, is that I noticed, like I heard a brother talking about Camel yesterday, and he was saying... You know, camo in a vision represents things that are being done in secret, and, and I like that. And, and uh, he, he was just talking about it, like talking about symbols. He, he wasn't talking. He wasn't talking about a vision or a dream. He said he was just saying like camo represents something that is hidden or stealth, trying to be. It. So, you know. So, but I knew that moment I saw that hat. I was like, this is what I saw. Boom. I know, I know Russia is going to invade Ukraine. I don't care what, you know, what's, what, you know, they're not going to talk this through. There's not going to be a solution. I didn't, didn't do the program, but I shared it with both these gentlemen. So, you know, that's, that's fine. But this morning, again, as I was praying, I saw the vision again. This, this time I saw it, it was not as clear or detailed. But the Lord is, for some reason, bringing this vision back now and giving it to me like I, I'm thinking roughly four uh, days ago. 
and then he's bringing it back to me this morning as I'm preparing to share about it. So I really think that there's something prophetic about that. And I would say, and I know the vision was of the Lord. I would just say this, uh, get yourself into prayer, whoever you are, get yourself into some prayer, okay? Because um, the Lord is emphasizing this vision that I had twice, okay? Um, I, I, I could, you know, hypothesize and theorize and say, well, look at, you know, we're going to be involved in it or they're going to attack us. I have not heard that. Um, I did share earlier this year about I saw an Indian man in India, and he rose up. He got big. And I said, something's going to happen in India this year. And somebody this morning mentioned something about China and India. Which one of you was the one who mentioned that? Oh, was it was that you, Gary? Yes. Okay, would you share that? Okay, now. Talk loud enough for people to hear you. All right. Uh, China seems to be trying to secure naval or top of naval bases, perhaps in Sri Lanka, Myanmar, and Pakistan. They're doing as possible with foreign aid. Alright? Now, China's behavior, especially in the Indian Ocean, uh, seems to be the efforts to secure the oil uh, supply. In other words, China gets almost all of them oil from the Middle East. So the behaviors of China, like the acquiring and the invasion and occupation of the Spratlees in the South China Sea, they seem to be trying to secure areas like Myanmar, Sri Lanka, and Pakistan, and they are to guard the particular oil. That's what it seems to indicate to me. Okay. I could be wrong. Okay, well, anyway, so when you heard the news on that, so anyways, I had the vision. Uh, you guys know what video it is, or you don't, because I do so many videos, but uh, you guys that follow me, um, you know, I, I know Gary remembers me saying I saw this Indian guy kind of going, getting bigger, and something's going to happen in India. I didn't know what it was, but I think that looks like something's happening in India right now. So that's uh, that's that was beforehand. So I'm just sharing this. So let's keep... Russia in prayer. I don't have a whole bunch because these visions, like I shared, I get visions that are much more detailed than these. But these were visions from the Lord. The first one I was looking, I stayed there for a while, and I'm like, what is this I'm seeing? I couldn't make it out completely, um, especially as I looked in at this satellite dish, dish that was upside down with the cryptic camo on it, and then like vehicles that were hard to see because they were camo and they kind of almost blended together but I could see the separation and I'm like and then the vision faded and I'm like you know so I didn't do a program about it but I did I shared it a day before uh, the, in the morning before the attack at night that I know what it is for sure no matter what there will not be a, they're not going to talk this out they're not going to resolve the situation the Lord has shown me that's it. They're going to war. Um, so, but I, that's interesting that it was uh, this this like techno camo. So that um, it may have just have been a way for me to understand the interpretation because I I grabbed a hat inside my car and I looked at it and I realized, oh, that's what I saw. When I had the vision, I really couldn't figure out what it was. So it made it clear. So, anyways, that is what I did see, and. Um, 
let's be praying. We, we, we definitely know that may, uh, what is it? God and Magog are spoken in the prophecies of the end times. Any of you guys have any thoughts just about uh, you know Magog and Gog in the end times? Well, as far as I'm aware, a lot of people believe Gog of Magog is Russia. No, but I'm of the opinion that it's the King of the North, the Assyrian Antichrist. Okay, and I and I agree with you on that. We discussed that. Yeah, yeah I, I think because years ago, um, I don't know if you just heard that, but I agree with him. Um, years ago, we did not have the boundaries and places um, of the prophetic different countries. But as we've done more archaeological digs and they found uh, things of an antiquity, we've discovered that actually this is a Mediterranean. Uh, these are Mediterranean countries, like um, uh, I can't think of all the names, but they're, it's Mediterranean. I would agree with that. Um, just uh, this is a this is a you know a fire chat uh, you know table talk. So I'm just just asking like that. Anyways, okay. So let me think here again. And we uh, we didn't orchestrate this. Okay. okay. Yeah, go for it. Um, there's news that. But Biden administration, and I don't know why he would announce this. It isn't as silly that you would announce your attack before you do it. Sure. But that publicly announced that they would do uh, attacks against Russia's infrastructure for going into Ukraine. And um, Russia has the best hackers in the world. So if America steps in, and metals in this. I could see Russia doing something very bad to us in retaliation. That, that's just my opinion. Yeah, in fact, just just on this, and if you have any thoughts as well, it's fine. Because this is just, we, we didn't orchestrate this. It's, it's not random, because I do, I was going to share on this, but I will say this on the situation. This does concern me with some of the visions I've had before where I, I had a vision, I heard the, an audible voice, literally this vision, and what I what I saw was yeah, like a military uh, general on the right-hand side and in, a, in another country, an ambassador, and he said this, an ambassador is somebody who's an ambassador for our country, and he said to him, he said, ambassador, the lights are going down. And I heard this with an audible voice in a vision. So this thought has come to me recently that maybe that's what the Lord is saying. We need to pray that there isn't an EMP attack, uh, a, a hack or a technical... You know, listen, let me tell you something, y'all. There's a book, and it's called Ground Zero. Ground Zero, okay is about a nuclear bomb being, uh, a nuke, not a nuclear bomb, but a nuke, a, a, a nuke, what are those things? Um, nuclear weapons? No, nuclear, a plant being hacked. So there's a book called Ground Zero, and it's about a nuclear plant being hacked. Okay? So, this is something that's come into my mind since I've had this vision. And therefore, uh, you know, We'll take these glasses off here. I need the headset on, but anyways, glasses aren't bugging me. Okay, so 
this is something that I've thought about. Is this, is God saying we ought to be praying? And, and I, again, I'm going to tell you on the prophetic. I believe the prophetic is not like most people believe. I believe the prophetic is like superposition in quantum physics, that there is more than one outcome possible based upon the actions of a free will agent, human beings. So I don't believe everything's just set in stone. I believe that the church can prophesy, they can pray, they can intercede so that things can be changed. I believe it was Jeremiah who, who prophesied that, that Israel and the temples of Israel would be established forever and never be removed. But then Daniel prophesied their destruction. So Daniel was prophesying against what Jeremiah had said. It's interesting. How's that possible? It's because of actions, okay? We see that, that God sent uh, Jonah to Nineveh and told them they had 40 days uh, and they were dead. And he said, it, he didn't say, if you repent, if you turn, you'll get, a, you'll get a reprieve. He said nothing like that. He didn't say, if you repent, I'll relent. He just said, Jonah, go tell him I'm going to wipe him out in 40 days. That's it. But in 40 days, no destruction came at all. Jonah was pretty upset that the prophecy that he had prophesied didn't come to pass. But it was what God told him to say anyways. So in the in meantime, back at the ranch, what happened? People repented. Okay, so prophecy can be diverted by intercession prayer. The Bible says that God is looking through the whole earth to find a man or a woman, for that matter, who will stand in the gap and make up the hedge. So we're talking people that are prophetic by nature are praying and interceding. So there's a twofoldness, I believe, about the prophetic. That is what can happen, okay, which is the, the plans of the enemy, and then there is what God wants to happen. And I will tell you this right now, God wants revival in America. God wants salvation in America. But that, I think, is still in the balance and America will be weighed out of the balance based upon its righteousness. Okay, If America doesn't change and repent as a nation, okay, we cannot expect blessings on this country. It's simply not realistic. Okay, um, We are not to pray for God to kill people. Uh, we can ask God to take people out if they're not going to get saved. But we, we're, we're not to be that way. We're New Testament. And we don't see that. We see Jesus see. It was quite a radical change from, you know, the precatory prayers of David, bash people's teeth out, to Jesus saying, pray for your enemies. There's sometimes when we can't pray, Lord, remove them if they're not going to repent. But we're not vengeful as Christians, because God says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I'll repay. He said, but Jesus said, when he said, pray for your enemies, that's totally opposite of the Torah, right? And the Torah, the Pentateuch, uh, the Tanakh, right? What are we going to get? It's an eye for an eye. Problem is, with an eye for an eye, everybody ends up being blind. Hold on, somebody's calling. I'm not going to pay attention to that. Okay. So, okay. So, problem with an eye for an eye, everybody in the world is missing an eye. Okay. A tooth for a tooth is that all of us are running around with any teeth. Okay. It's not a good idea. Okay. So Jesus comes and tells us, under the old system, it's an eye for an eye, and it's a tooth for a tooth. He says, I tell you to forgive, the, forgive those who persecute you, those who falsely accuse you, 
He says to love your enemies, and he means it literal. We are to love everyone. If there's anything in our heart, and that's called ought, that will that will hinder us from prayer, and we'll not be powerful in the kingdom of God. So we are, as the church, are to be people that represent love. We're to love the Muslims. We're to love the Al Qaeda. We're to love the Democrats. We're to love everyone. We do not accept. We don't do not agree with. Okay, wickedness. But we are not walking under the spirit that John and Peter did when they said, Lord, burn these people up right now. They're not receiving us. And Jesus said, you don't know what spirit you're under. That is a symbol of a young baby Christian not having discernment of the purpose that God sent his son to the earth for. God sent Christ to the earth to save everybody. God doesn't want to kill anyone. God said he's not willing that any should perish. So he's not up there rubbing his hands and saying, oh, I get to kill some wicked people today. That does not represent the heart of the Father. The heart of the Father is that he's willing to leave the 99 to save one. So let's pray, all of us intercede, and that's what we need to be doing in the nations around the world. Praying for revival and repentance. Okay? So we're sharing, I'm sharing that. Now, hold on one second. Put these on. I can't see without them. That's an issue of age. Anyways, so, all right. Anyways, just a little thing. Uh, I'm going to just ask questions. Hey, uh, Alexandria, uh, we, we um, just, okay. Alexandria's been down here. How long have you been here now, Alexandria? Three weeks. Three weeks, okay. Okay. Man, I, I, it was a hassle to get the place at all, the place that he's living in, you all. Thank you for your donations, okay? there's This is like a small ranch. Gary lives in a trailer on this property that's that's out in this direction, and Alexandria lives over here. This is, you know, a ministry headquarters. That's where I do my preaching from and such. That's where we do our intercessions from. Anyways, I, I got a, I was given a trailer, basically one that needed to be nuked or bombed. And um, that's how bad condition it was. And uh, myself and, and hiring other people, we've restored it. And it's still in the process of, it's like it's like salvation, it's still being restored. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like salvation, it's still being restored. So, um, <laughs> so, so how is it learning how to like, Make fires for a, uh, for a wood stove and and, and uh, yeah living in an off grid house. Share it with us. <laughs> well, yeah, it's definitely different than living in the city. So yeah, go ahead. Um, yeah, I never cut firewood before, or started a fire just have stones over there. So. <laughs> but it's good because uh, in the future everyone's going to have to learn how to do this. So it's good preparation for uh, the tribulation. Well, there's a good there's a good thought, and I think he's right. I think everybody better learn how, and I and I and that's a good thought. So what we did is I tore the walls out of there, and I and, and like I say, I'm about the work of the ministry. I, I I believe in doing stuff. I was in there cutting stuff sawing it, putting it up, tore out the walls and made it look like a cabin inside. It looks it looks really nice inside. Still got to do some work on the floor. 
But so he's got a wood burning stove. Uh, we were getting down to like 25 at night around here. And uh, so there's a solar generator in there with two solar pods on there, a solar battery and a solar pod. That way he can have lights and, uh, and he, so he can be off grid and uh, he can be independent that way. And um, we still got to get the, the, the uh, gas fixed. So those are things that we're doing. I had a couple different people. Uh, I, ha- I, I had hired a guy originally to start doing some of the work. And um, he didn't do it right, so I had to rip some of the stuff out. And sometimes the best guy for the job is you. I knew I could do it myself, just trying to do ministry and that is hard. So I spent a lot of hours working on that place. But uh, and thank you. I mean, literally, people who donate. So there's, I mean, we eat. We, uh, you know, there's lights here. We eat. Um, there's people actually here right now, and in the future there will be more as well. Um, so this is the way that is. But so, brother wanted to come over here from uh, Puerto Rico. He is a American citizen, and so we made that happen. And uh, but the reason I was going to have some other brothers from around the world wanted to come here as well. But it, it, it took so much time for the carpentry and the, and the solar and the putting in a, uh, what is it called, a compost toilet? Yeah. Putting in a compost toilet, getting all that thing off grid. Man, it took a long time to get everything set up. So it wasn't easy to get the, everything set up. Gary's out. I think he's out there taking care of business. <laughs> Anyways, so... Let me go ahead and see uh, any, you know, and I want to say also, let me get into the common area, okay. Theo, God bless you. Mike Lopez, that's my brother. Hey, bro, how's it going? Um, uh, Tony, God bless you. And then uh, Lily, God bless you. Uh, from, it looks like from the UK, God bless you. Nice cross there is their symbol. Lord bless you and welcome you here today. Amen. Okay, so, anyways, so let, let's let's let me get into something else, and Gary can get into a little talk on this. And um, so he's looking at the picture there. Okay, this is my ad, admin. Is that what you call it? He he does computer stuff, uh, Alexander. He does good work. Okay, that's right. And he's been he's helped me on the beautiful websites I have and stuff he built them okay and okay I had a vision of two visions of a ice age two visions of an ice age and I'm going to get into this recently I'm going to ask Gary we're going to kind of talk about the book of Enoch a little okay and um, I'll probably throw some questions at you as well and uh, so anyways. What, what I'm talking about right now is uh, I had two visions. I don't even remember the one where, how long the one was, okay? But I shared it with Gary. I shared it uh, with my wife. Alexandria wasn't here at the time. But I saw, I saw, um, I was in America, and I saw that it became very, very cold. And it was, it was as if though a finger, and that's, my impression. A finger had taken in, in the sky, made a big circle. 
And, and in there was numbers, and I don't remember all of them because I didn't get up and write notes, but I remember 41 was one of the numbers. But I was shocked how cold it was. And it was like the weather had changed. Now, recently I had another vision, and I was in a down jacket. My beard was about down to here. I looked a little more older than I am. And it was a very, very clear prophetic vision. Very clear prophetic vision. And I looked at it for a while. I looked at the jacket, its design. I looked at my beard, which I actually had a little beard envy for, because I had that beard down to here. I used to have it like that. And uh, and uh, so, anyways, I think that I think that we're going to actually gradually go, go into a weather change that will happen throughout the earth. Okay, instead of a Instead of global warming, I think we're going to have global uh, cooling. And, and this is what I believe that these visions mean. So anyways, Gary, could you tell me a little about what the book of Enoch says in the end times? Okay, may I read this off, John? Look, 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 okay, look yeah. at the camera. Okay, yeah. May I read this off, John? Sure, go ahead. I have it down there. So go. Now, then bring gifts of salutation to the rain that not being with hell elders, it may descend upon you and to the dew. If it has received from you gold and silver, but when the frost, snow, cold, every snowy wind and uh, every suffering belonging to them fall up and fall upon you. In those days, you will be utterly incapable of uh, standing before them. Okay, so Gary shared this before with me, and to, you know, he shared this with me before. And I can't hear myself for now, but I'll do this. I just don't like this headset. But, you know, after these two visions I've had, I'm like, hey, man. And um, we all have been studying the book of Enoch, right? Each one of us has studied the book of Enoch. We understand that the year that Israel became a nation is when the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered. The same year. Is that is that a coincidence? I don't think it is. Right? I, don't, I don't think it's a, a coincidence that the, the year, which was like 1948, is that correct? Yeah. So the year 1948, Israel, Israel becomes a nation, and a Bedouin shepherd throws a stone into a cave, and it was cave the four, the, the Qumran cave four, and he's trying to get his sheep scared and come running out. Instead, he hears pottery crash, uh, and and so he goes into uh, to look at and to observe what's going on there, and he discovers the Dead Sea Scrolls. In these Dead Sea Scrolls are the Book of Enoch. Now, until just here in the last, you know, several years, the Book of Enoch, people, before it was discovered, since it was discovered in, in 1948, people had different books of Enoch, but they said they were uh, pseudographic. Now, the number two and three are, but Enoch, one is not. But when the, what they discovered is the the Book of Enoch, the Book of Giants, many other books, uh, uh, Jam, uh, uh, Jamber, what is it, Jamboree? Jubilees, Jubilees, thank you. That's why they're, you're on the show. Uh, <laughs> so, 
they discovered this. The book of Enoch was dated B.C., the earliest, B.C. 300. Okay? Now we see Jesus is quoting the book of Enoch verbatim. Jesus is quoting the book of Enoch verbatim. Okay? Um, when he said, if you stumble a little one, it's better that you have a millstone tied around your neck and caution to cast the seed. This is not in the Old Testament. None of the Jewish writings at all uh, that is the Old Testament that you have and I have, it's never ever said. Jesus is doing a direct quote from the book of Enoch. Now, Jesus was God manifest in the flesh. Didn't he have discernment to know if he was quoting from a pseudographic book? He was the son of God. Come on. Jude quoted from the book of Enoch. In the book of Jude, he quotes from an exact quote from the book of Enoch. Many things that Jesus, by the way, said are quotes from the book of Enoch. Many things. Uh, what was the thing that also you noticed about the, the Euphrates and, uh, and the angels being locked up? Okay, the basic research, of course, when you try it in, the angels, of course, when they violated God's commandment, they were, uh, they were placed in uh, a particular angel to have rocks piled up to be underground and locked down in that particular area. Okay. The Book of Enoch described, I think, 18 or 19 angel, angels that were leadership, and I think they were locked down. By imagine, pretty much all of them were Muslim place. It was Euphrates, right? I believe that was well, the Euphrates. Euphrates. Now, this is interesting. Yeah. You guys, you've got to pay attention to this. Okay? The Bible, the Book of Enoch says that it is written for the elect in the end times. And the Book of Revelation, coincidence, the Bible says that from the, from the Euphrates River... Four yes. fallen watchers, really they're not angels or watchers, are going to be let loose in the end times. Read it, it's in the book of Revelations. So this book that, that is dated B.C., the earliest, B.C. 300, that's before Christ, and, and they say as far as a thousand years old, that's, that's, that is the, a lot of people say, hey, look at it, it this could be as old as a thousand years. So we're talking a thousand years before Christ comes, okay? And obviously... You got to understand something, and let's get into it. Just let me ask you some questions, uh, Alexandria. Either way, okay. They've got the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Essenes. Um, what were some of the th things that the, uh, the Essenes were doing, and what was some of their motives? And were they scribes? Were they keepers of scriptures? I'd like to hear some of your personal opinions about the Essenes. Well, <laughs> they had they believed in um, the cleansing cleansing your body, not like physically, but yourself. Well, what I mean by that though is, no, the, what's the difference between the Pharisees, scribes, and the Essenes as far as like the Word of God, keeping Scripture? Were they like literalists, purists? Well, they, they were literalists. But the point I was making okay, was that they used, they did that. And then you have John the Baptist who came with baptism. Okay. And it's like the Essenes were the pre... Either he got baptism, the idea of baptism from them. Uh, because, I mean... It, I mean sure, I, I, I think you. I think he did. I mean, you see that connection there. And then Jesus was using baptism. So I don't think Jesus disapproved of the Essenes. Uh, because he was using uh, something that they were doing. 
And they, uh, yeah, they were into humility and being servants to each other, which is what people in heaven do. And they left, they, they took the scroll, all the scrolls from the library that was near the temple with them because they couldn't put up with the Pharisees. And they also, I, one thing uh, people always strike the book of Enoch for is that it says there's 364 days in a year. But that's actually true because there was a, the original calendar that we got from God was a 364-day calendar. And the Jews were based their rituals off of this calendar. And uh, the calendar wouldn't count BC or AD. It would, year, year one was the year that, you know, at, at, of creation. So right. so you would say we're really in the year right now, uh, 6,000 XYZ and Mundi, not 2022. And... Um, so this was called the solar calendar, and this is what the Essenes were using. But right. th- there's the Essenes also prophesied that the Jews would leave the solar calendar, the, God- the God-given solar calendar for the lunar calendar. And that's exactly what happened. The Pharisees switched to the lunar calendar, and it was prophesied that they would be doing uh, their days of atonement on the Sabbath and have everything uh, screwed up, which just proves again that the Essenes definitely were more righteous than the Pharisees or the Sadducees. Okay, so Genesis 1.14, and God said, let there be a light in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs, for seasons, and for days, and for years. So, the, the Bible, that's your Genesis, King James, says that God said that the sun was for times and seasons. So the original calendar was not a lunar calendar or a, or a Gregorian calendar. It was a solar calendar. Now that's what, if you want to get the Bible involved in it, the Bible says it was, okay, a lunar calendar. So these people called the Essenes, okay, a little talking and discussion, that these people called the Essenes, they were scribes. And, and they, the name of scene means children of light, children of light, okay? And so, you know, that's what they were doing, and, and uh, they were children of light. So when Jesus was said, I'm the light of the world, if anyone's going to follow me, let him, uh, he'll, be, he'll walk in the light. And he says that, you know, I'm the, the light of the world, and he, that the sons of light will follow me. He was talking to the Essenes, because you've got to understand, the Pharisees, I think it was, they were going by the lunar calendar. The Essenes separated from the Pharisee scribes because they considered them corrupt. There's, they considered them corrupt by money, by 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 sinfulness, and in every way they, they were basically like Jesus came and, and corrected them. He never is even shown to correct the, the, the Essenes. They're never mentioned in correction. But we know that where John... Was, was living, and uh, I, I forget the area where he was living and where the Essenes, well, it was, it was Qumran area, okay? John was known to be living in the Qumran area. John was living and acting like an Essene. John was teaching baptism like an Essene. John was preaching repentance like an Essene. 
John was preaching separation like an Essene. Listen, Jesus never corrected the Essenes. And people said, what, well, what happened to the Essenes? Well, some people say they're still alive, but I'll tell you something. For the most part, Essenes became disciples of Jesus because the Essenes were reading the book of Enoch that had the most clear description of Jesus as the Messiah. Another thing, there's no book on earth that has as clear details about the Son of God, Son of Man, Messiah, than the book of Enoch. That was written before Jesus came to the earth. Peter quotes from it. Jude quotes it from it. And Jesus did. And so I think that we need to pay attention to this. Okay? And, the, and so understand what's going to happen in the end times. And I think that we're probably going to go into an ice age in time. I'm just telling you that. Pretty radical stuff, but I think it's true. Um, any other thoughts that you have on the Essenes? You, either one of you. Okay, they're this very distinct community. Like you said, they were permanent, like you said, the Quran area, which could have been uh, maybe 20 to 30 miles northwest of the Dead Sea area. A very tight territory, quiet community. Now, if we go back into this solar country. I'm going to run this to the very place. Sure. Go ahead. Yes, they had the solar country. That would have been God's given type of calendar for, for his people. But wait a minute, what happened? Why did they adopt this lunar calendar? The possibility that in some stories seem to say they may have adopted this when they came back from Babylon, or another thing is that, yes, they had these dealings with the Greeks, but all of a sudden they started adopting more of their type of outlooks of thinking and possibility. Remember, this is after Alexander and his generals have to divide up his empire. Sure. Now, they had conflicts with the Greeks and uh, liberated, you know, and uh, liberated themselves from this aspects of uh, solutions in the sense of tyranny. But there was probably aspects of compromises in their faith, and one of these things was you probably adopted for this Greek outlook on life, and that might include their calendar. So two sources of possible deviation. I'm not sure. I can't, you know. Possibly Greece, but even when they came back from Babylonia, some compromises in the faith were, were, were probably came to the truth. Okay, so that's all I'm going to say. Okay. Well, just my, my thought on the, this whole thing about the Essenes is this look, the Essenes got assimilated into Christianity. They recognized Jesus as the Messiah that was of the book of Enoch, which was uh, ancient. Okay, ancient. The, the book of Enoch was probably, may have been the first book ever written. Now understand, the Essenes were radical in their a literal interpretation of scriptures. The Pharisees and the scribes and the Sanhedrin were apostated. Jesus was constantly calling them liars, devils, and murders. But he never corrects the Essenes. He tells the Essenes that if they follow him, they're children of life. So when he talks about the children of life, he uses that term, which anybody in the contemporary time would have said Jesus is addressing and talking to the Essenes when he says the, when he uses the term sons of light, which is used in the New Testament. He speaks about them, and he says that the real sons of light will follow him. So the anybody there, this uh, the, a Pharisee, a, 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 a Sadducee, a scribe would have said, "Hey, Jesus is talking to the Essenes." Now he's not ripping into them. He's ripping into the Pharisees. 
He's ripping, he's ripping into the Sadducees. He's, he's, rip, he's ripping into them, the scribes. But not the Essenes. The Essenes say you're corrupt, you're evil. They leave to go out into the Qumran area. John the Baptist is historically known and been proven that he was coming from the, the Qumran area and that he lived there. Well, who lived in the Qumran area? The Essenes did. Okay? He's baptizing people like the Qumran. He's living, a, he's dressing different than other people. He's got a different type of lifestyle. A lot of these things look a whole lot like the Essenes. The other interesting thing is that in the early church, after the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says they sold everything that they had, and they had one purse, the Christians, and they lived together and had everything in common. Who's, who does that sound like? The Essenes. That sounds like the Essenes, right? Does that sound like the Essenes? In fact, they're probably game, but when they were doing all this stuff, it's possible to think of the Essenes, you know, hey, yes, yes, Yeshua is the, is the Mashiach. They want to buy a step in. So when this is going on, they'll probably, they recognize already completely. Remember, he dies on the cross. But of course, there's this prayer. We're not sure, but he did some good stuff. When he comes out and rises up, oh yeah, this is the Mashiach right now. So they're hanging out a little bit, you know, around here. Now the apostles go ahead and they suck this thing where let's hold things common in terms of community. I'm sure the Essenes were probably, because God can rise up people like that and say, hey, right. we'll, we'll give you some advice. Let's make this work. And they show up and they say, yeah, see that? We made it work. And they were probably with the apostles giving consultation and advice. Here's how to structure this thing. So why not? But of course, yes. Yeshua ben David, yes, he's the Moshiach, we recognize him. And all of a sudden, and of course we have to recognize that after all that. Okay guys, we did our job. That's right. We did our job. That's right. So this is the point that, look at, nobody had lived before in the church, in the Old Testament, the Torah, the, 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 you know, the Pentateuch, never had they lived in a sense of, of a, a open community of goods. They never did that. They never did that. In this new community in the book of Acts where it says they sold everything, they had one purse, and they had everything in common, that is exactly how the Essenes lived. Now, we you understand something. The apostles were alive at that time, so they prayed. If you read the book yeah. of Acts, they prayed before they made decisions. Yeah. And they would say, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit, and they would do something. Okay, so they prayed, and it seemed good to the Holy Spirit for everybody to sell what they had, to live in community, to break bread together. Okay, that had never been something that was done among the Pharisees or the scribes or the, the Sadducees. The only people on earth that had ever practiced that were the Essenes. Very interesting. Okay, and, and look, you've got to do something when you see this type of facts pop up. Okay. And so I would even say that much of what is taught today is Christianity, what we call the evangelical faith, is apostated in many ways. And you say, why? Because a lot of it's like the Romanism. It's like the Catholic Church. Okay? A lot of pastors are almost like popes. Okay? And it's, it is, it's institutionalized. It's, 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 not, it's, it's, uh, it's not decentralization. It's centralization. Okay? Um, like, what, what I'm trying to do here is, you know, I've got a garden that I'm working on. I've got chickens here. Um, trying to live it as a Christian community. 
Why? Because shouldn't we be free from the system of Babylon? I mean, some people had to get the shot. Really, I mean, they didn't have to get the shot, but some people did. Why? Well, I can guarantee you this. If we're living as a community, people don't have to get, take a shot, right? And I'm not saying you have to live this way at all. But I'm just telling you that there were some benefits. The Bible says they met together daily. They broke bread. They had all things in common, okay? We only meet on Sunday and Wednesday, right? Well, in the early church, they didn't. Here we meet seven days a week. We yeah. meet seven days a week yeah. together in prayer and Bible study every single day, okay? Um, and then I have a church service on Sunday. But we're, we're meeting here every day, okay? And, uh, and, 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 and we're real serious about coffee, me, me and uh, Gary. <laughs> Gary. He drinks coffee like a fish. Here, let me have, give me a toast on that, brother. <laughs> Anyways, so I don't know if, if we've converted uh, Alexandria over to drinking coffee like us. Um, you like what you like? What do you like? Folgers or what is it? Yeah, he, yeah. he likes Folgers. Maybe we ought to, if we're going to have all things in common, maybe I ought to. Buy Folgers next time, but I don't know if it costs too much. We'll see. I'll see the price on Folgers. You get your own. <laughs> I can. Uh, I can do Folgers. No, yeah. So we we have the, the coffee and the prayer here in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> can, I, can I point out something about? Go ahead. The Go. the the reason I find the the Essenes relevant to all of this and the Book of Enoch, for one. The Bible prophesied that Israel would return in 19, May 14th, specifically May 14th, 1948. That is the exact day that Israel was, uh, became a nation again. The same year that the Dead Sea Scrolls were found. And the book, the book of Enoch is in there. Now, the book of Enoch says what? That it's for, written for... End times. Yeah, end times. The yeah. people of the end times. Yeah. So what do you find in there? What would what would be relevant for the end times? Well, if you've done your research on ancient astronauts and the, these Gnostic theories that these ancient astronauts came here and created humans, these astronauts were also created by some other race before them. Right? The Anunnaki. They came here, and uh, from they came as as astronauts and procreated with the women. And the Book of Giants says they also have, took two hundred animals, each one. Disgusting. So the, the other point is, it's my belief that Enoch is one of the two witnesses, right? Enoch dealt with fallen angels, the, um, the watchers that came here. So it, it's not, they really aren't space. Yeah. They're not, they're really not extraterrestrials. Yeah. They are the watchers. The, the, yeah, so the watchers will come back, or their offspring will come back in the future, mm-hmm. and it will be perceived as a UFO first contact event. But do not Great be deception. Deceived. Yes, don't be deceived. These are watchers, and I think... You'll see Enoch and Elijah come back, and Enoch dealing with this will reveal the truth. Okay, so the parable in in, in the preaching of Jesus, he said, as it was in the days of Noah, okay, 
So as we go back to that, the Bible says Noah was perfect in his generation. The word there is talking about genetics or DNA. And in other words, he was his blood was not um, uh, tainted. Jesus was has, was a sheep. You could only offer to God a sheep that had no flaws. That means genetically perfect. Noah was genetically perfect. Christ was genetically perfect, the Lamb of God. Because the seed had been corrupted by the the watchers, okay? Which, if you study history, whether it's India, China, uh, the, the, the First Nation, all throughout history, you'll discover as a historian that they say these gods came from heaven and, and they all had a thing for the women on earth. Now, they're supposed to be highly highly evolved but they want to fraternize with the with the uneducated and smaller brains which is very bizarre okay but this is over and over again repeated in the narrative of history not just the bible history genesis 6 which says that it says the sons of god knew the daughters of men and then there was giants in the land and the bible says 19 times there was giants in the land saying there were anywhere between 19 to 35 feet. Now, genetically speaking, okay, first place in, in the book of Hebrews, it says, chapter 1, it says, At no time and in any place has God ever called angels sons. And there's a reason I'm saying that. And let me go there really quickly to Hebrews. So, let me, let me explain what I'm saying by saying this, okay? Hold on one second. I'm going to get back here. Okay. Let me go here. Okay. They're not angels. They're watchers. That is my point. I, I, many translations have come from this time to this day. And, and, and there's a reason I'm going to say that, but I'm going to get into DNA. Okay. And, and get a little explanation in here. Okay. So... Hebrews 1, verse 20, uh, no, Hebrews 1, chapter 5. For unto which of the angels said he, At any time thou art my son, this day I have begotten thee, and again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. So the, the Anephilim, okay, the, 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 the Elohims is what it says, the Elohims, okay, the Elohims knew the daughters of men. And then there was giants, okay? These are the watchers. The watchers that have been reported in the First Nation, uh, uh, the First Nation tribes in America, that giants came, they said. And the reason they would do this, they would say, how or whatever, they put their hand up. You know why? You've seen in the old movies, they put their hands up. Do you know why they did that? They were looking to see if the people had six fingers, like Goliath had six fingers, like his other four brothers had six fingers. The giants, they were a genetic anomaly because of the watchers knowing women, they were not normal. And so the, the American Indians would put their hands up, let's see your hands. Because if your hands have six fingers on you, you're evil and you're going to try to kill us and wipe us out. It's a fact. Okay? And this this has been proven over and over again. Now, the reason that you got to look this. Okay. In DNA, which passes on your genetics, your genome, it's, it's, it's a binary code plus a language, okay? 
and the, and the double helix is all the information of your relatives and it's passed on. So if, if you take a regular human being, man, and, and, he, and he knows intimately a woman, you get people of their average height. You don't get people that are 19 to, 20, 19 to 25 to 30 feet. That's genetically impossible. You don't know biology. So the sons of God, that is the watchers, knew the daughters of men. See, they're not angels because angels cannot be given in marriage. And they don't even have, I've, I've seen angels on several occasions. And I was aware in the last vision that I had of an angel that they are not male nor female. Sometimes they look male, but they are not male or female. I, I'll tell you that. They are so beautiful, by the way. They're, they're, it's incredible. They are incredibly beautiful angels. I saw one here recently on a, a three-day or something fast. I saw an angel. I've had an angel of the Lord come down while I was sitting here before, literally, and stand right here and talk to me. Okay? Let me tell you something. Angels are neither male or female. Okay? But the watchers, they were, because they were given a body, because they were placed on earth to be to be boundaries for men and to watch over the sons of men so that they would not break the laws of God. And before there was a written law, there has always been a law. How do you know? Abraham knew this. Abraham was giving to Melchizedek. Melchizedek was a watcher, okay? And he wasn't ethereal or immaterial. He was physical. He was a watcher. So the watchers knew physically the daughters of men, and then there was giants. Again, anybody who knows science says, like, yeah, John, it has to be. Because you can't have people that are, you know, you could be six foot tall, and your wife could be five foot tall. But you're, you, you don't have the genetics, the DNA, the genome to have 25 to 30 foot children. It's an impossibility. Okay, so we understand that there was watchers, and Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, before the flood, so shall it be at the time of the coming of the Son of Man. So we're going to have a great deception, not extraterrestrials, but extra-dimensionals. Wouldn't you agree with that? Yeah. yeah you want to share some more thoughts on that? Yeah, if anybody comes here from... And says they're from another planet. They're totally lying. That's right. They're now. I have theories that I mean, you've heard of UFO abductions, women getting pregnant by by aliens, and then their babies disappearing from their wombs. They could be taking them, raising them on other planets. It's not plausible deniability to come here. It's all evil and just designed to to mislead you and take you to hell. Um, but they, did you mention something about? The women having to cover themselves in the church. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, that's interesting. Okay, the Bible is not, is not, uh, this is going to hurt some people to get them upset or whatever, but, yeah, I didn't say it, by the way. Um, and early church fathers agreed with me on this, on this thing. Um, the Bible is neither culture, custom, or traditions of men. The Bible is inspired revelation. Now, that's what the Bible says. The Bible says that holy men wrote the scriptures under inspiration. Okay. So from Genesis to Revelation, I believe the book of Enoch as well, because Jesus is quoting it. Holy men wrote, Enoch wrote the book of Enoch. Holy men wrote 
the scriptures as they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. So the Bible says all scripture is breathed. Listen, how much of scripture? All scripture is breathed by the Holy Spirit. And is as and is for correction, exhortation, and instruction in righteousness. So we, we have to understand that. Okay. Back to your point again. What was it again? It was about women covering your head. Okay. So if you read what it says, listen, the reason women were covering their head in the book of Corinth, okay, and he told them to do that because it was not a tradition for women to do that. If you study ancient Hebrew people, Jewish people today, the women cover their head. And, they, and that tradition goes all the way back to Rachel. You read about it in the Song of Solomon, that they took off my covering, and they shamed me by doing it. See, it says in the book of 1 Corinthians that the women had their heads covered because of the angels, but really it's the watchers, okay? And so people say it was a cultural thing. Well, what does angels have to do with culture? So we're not. I'm not going to tell you to cover or uncover. That's not what I'm talking about. And, and that would be a conviction of your own heart. But understand, it's not about culture. It's not about tradition. It's not about customs. It's about watchers. It's what it says. Read it, First Corinthians. It's about watchers. In other words, they were saying, "Look, it. You should cover because the, the watchers seduced women." And, and 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 that's what he's saying. And their glory is their hair. In other words, these these watchers were attracted to that. And so they said, in church, in prayer, woman, not out of culture, not out of tradition. It says that the best dictionary for the Bible is the Bible. It says it's because of the watchers. So you see, like even the 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 National Geographic said that the oldest church in the world is in India. And they say that it's been nonstop fellowshipping. Up to this time. And you know, all the women there in church aren't covering. It's the truth. I'm not into saying, you know, like it, some churches, they're like, all men have to have a beard, and, and, and or men should not have a beard. I'm not going to dictate any of this stuff, right? But, you know, it, like, so some guys are shaved. They say they're once shaved, always shaved. It's a joke. I don't believe this, that. Anyway, my point is, the reason definitely was not culture, so just on a historical viewpoint, not getting off into teaching on anything else. We we can we can deduce by a matter of deduction and process of elimination that it wasn't culture, it wasn't custom, and it wasn't tradition because he prefaces because of the angels the women should cover. That's what he said. Go read it for yourself. So therefore it refutes apologetically anything about tradition, culture, or custom. Why? So Listen, the angels, the watchers, according to the word of God, Jesus said, basically, when he says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it shall be when the Son of Man comes. So we can expect what is called the Nephilim, the fallen ones, okay, their offspring, which are disembodied spirits, demons, it talks about that in the book of Enoch, we can expect great deception throughout the earth in the end times. And they're going to come as UFOs, extraterrestrials, with another gospel. Let me get into some of that really quickly as well. I don't know if you realize, but most of the times people have been abducted, 
okay, or seen UFOs and they're talking, they're, they're, they're give, they're, they have a message. It is always this message. Jesus was just an ascended master. He's not the only way to heaven. Okay? This is what these people that are having the, these experiences throughout the earth, abducted people, now they say that about 99%, and I think it's 100%, of people that have had these experiences, they were involved in the occult. Ouija board, tarot cars. So the people that are getting abducted, okay, the people that are seeing UFOs and they're talking to them, they're people involved with the occult. One lady said she saw one and she rebuked it in Jesus' name, and it left. Okay, so we're not talking extra extra uh, terrestrials. Okay, we're talking extra dimensionals. We're talking demons. Jesus warns in Matthew twenty four, uh, and let's go there. Matthew twenty four. Let's go there real quickly. Let's go there real quickly. And see what Jesus says the number one end time sign is going to be. And most people will go into all different things. But let's see what Jesus said. Okay, Matthew 24. And Jesus went out and departed to the temple. And his disciples came to him to show him the building of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another, that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately. So it's just him and his disciples. Saying, tell us then, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world? Jesus didn't say earthquakes, famine, pestilence, the Antichrist rising, tribulation, the beginning of sorrows, birth pains, is not what he said. He gets to that later. He said this, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceives you. So people will talk about the Antichrist till the cows come home. They'll talk about earthquakes, famines, pestilence. They'll talk about everything. But they don't talk about deception. We ought to be thinking about deception happening. Yeah. Right? That's what we ought to be thinking about. Deception. Can I point out? Go ahead. You, like you said, that they, they uh, spread this lie that Jesus was an ascended master. And the other two religions I can think of that teach something like similar to that is Mormonism and Islam. And they're both like space intergalactic religions because the low, you know, the icon for Islam is a crescent star and moon. The, the god that they worshipped in Arabia before Muhammad came up with this crap about Allah was Hubal, the moon god. Inside the Kaaba, the, right. the Kaaba, there are stones that these people idolize that all came from outer space. And they teach Jesus was just a prophet. And the Mormons teach something like that too when they say that once you, you know, after, after death you're going to get your own planet. You see the intergalactic theme here. So I, I, imagine imagine if aliens, you know, really demons, come here and they say they're Muslims. Right? Uh, can you imagine what how confused people will be? Oh. And, and what does 
the Quran say that you have to kill Christians, and that will give them even more fire to persecute Christians. Yeah, and it's very interesting. And my understanding, and this brother's understanding, this brother's understanding, and we're red people, by the way. I'll tell you this. People don't read today. The three of us are people that have read and read a lot. Okay? That's something that we do a lot of. I'll tell you something right now. The Middle East is where the Antichrist rises up. People are keeping and teaching history before people found landmarks and places through the archaeological digs that discovered things of antiquity that gave us boundaries of, hey, this is where uh, Hezekiah was. This is where Sodom and Gomorrah was. This is where Nineveh was. We didn't know that before. And so people didn't understand where Gog and Magog were. But actually, it's in the Middle East. And actually, in Micah 5.5, the Antichrist is revealed, and also in Isaiah, he's revealed to be of Middle Eastern ascent. Okay? And, and that's why also the Antichrist is making a peace treaty with Israel. Who's fighting all the time? Who's been fighting forever? Isaac and Ishmael. Ishmael is, is the Arabs. Isaac is the son of promise. Both of them are brothers, but to this day... Isaac and Ishmael fight. It's not Jacob, it's Isaac and Ishmael. So you've got to understand something. Okay, this battle has been going on forever. And the Antichrist is going to make a, a peace accord, with, which is like the, the, the he's the antithesis of, of what, you know, and the Muslims are going to make a peace accord. The Bible says in the end time that the Antichrist system is going to cut people's heads off. Not shoot them. Not poison them. Chop, them, off, chop off their head. There's, there's only one religion on earth. Today and yesterday that does something with infidels and it is the Muslims. They chop your head off. The Antichrist will come through the Muslim system. That is a fact. Okay? And we've done study on where the land is, are, the properties and everything. And it is not where people say. And you you studied about that. Yeah. You want to share some of your thoughts about that as far as the geology of it all? Well, the Bible is Israel-centric. Not America. Like It's not about Europe. When it says king of the north, it's in context of Israel. So who... And, and if you read Micah 5, it says, when the Assyrian comes, then Jesus will return. Okay? So where is Assyria? Ancient Assyria is now today modern Turkey and modern Syria. And where is it? It is north of Israel. So the king of the north is north of Israel. The Assyrian, Micah 5, king of the north, is the Antichrist. Turkey is a must is an Islamic country, so he will be a Muslim. Satan isn't going to come out immediately with a new religion having to convert the whole world. This has been a process... For thousands of years, more than a thousand years now, he's already got billions of soldiers ready to commit jihad against Christianity. And and uh, no, I think that's all I have to say about okay. that. Good, good. Do you have any thoughts about any of that? Okay, yeah, definitely. We can document this when you look into this. We okay. Let's start with. I think it's like Daniel seven ties in with Revelation. That's where it comes from. Why is this okay? The Bible uses these symbols in terms of beast, in terms of nation. It's like our country. We have the eagle. But what, uh, what did Babylon have? 
they had the winged lion. What did Persia have? Well, it's described as a bear. And what about Greece? As a leopard. So we zeroed in on the areas where he comes from. Okay? So what does this tie in? Again, this gets back to, yes, he will be a, perhaps this very interesting modern type of uh, Middle East uh, leader from that area. Yeah. And, because uh, that's right, because we pinpointed this is yeah, Mediterranean yeah. area, yeah, right. Middle so, East area. Mm -hmm. It is not America. The, even we are not. We are the, the 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 Torah, the Pentateuch, or the Gospel are not. Um, it is not central, centered, or focused on America. Mm -hmm. We are narcissists. Yeah. I mean, Americans think everything is about them. Okay. And so we think everything's about us. No, no, no. This is not true. You got to go. The, the what? The apple of God's eye is Israel, and the focus is the Middle East, and the battle is against Israel, and the arch enemy of Israel is the Muslim nations that are attacking them constantly. And the Bible says all these nations are going to be rising up against them and, and surrounding Israel. I had a vision where I saw. Um, I believe it was was. Uh, Elisha, and I saw him, and he was in Israel, and he was preaching. He was on a platform, and all of Israel was being bombed. They were being bombed, I believe, by the Muslim nations. And I asked the Lord, well, I didn't see the next witness. Some people will say it's Moses. Uh, this brother here believes it's Enoch. I get that because uh, Enoch actually never died. Yeah. So that actually makes a whole lot more sense than Moses because Moses did die. And you only die once, and then the judgment. But Elisha was was caught up, and so was Enoch caught up. Okay, so so you know what I saw was Elisha, and I asked the Lord, and I was at a Walmart. What does this vision mean that I saw of Elisha preaching in uh, Israel while it was being bombed around, and he was standing on a stage? And then I got the interpretation: the stage is being set. The other witness wasn't there. Why? He was showing us that we're going towards that stage. We're going towards the end times. We are we are in the last days. And, and that the stage is being set for the two witnesses. I don't believe the two witnesses are here yet. But I believe the stage is being set for the two witnesses. That's what I believe. And, uh, and go ahead. The, the first century church believed it was Enoch and Elijah. Okay. And the point I wanted to make, because I find it interesting that you only saw Elijah, and you said the stage is being set. The uh, Remember when John the, ba John the Baptist had the spirit of Elijah? Sure. And he came to s prepare the stage for Jesus Christ. That's right. So the, the, Good Bible, observation. the Bible is doesn't talk about, it doesn't mention this, but perhaps Elijah will come first and set the stage ready for Enoch, or Moses, if it is Moses... No, I don't want to be dogmatic for their return. Maybe they both come at the same time. I have no idea. Yeah, I got you. That's a good point, though. But look at John was a voice in the wilderness uh, crying out, make way uh, the way for the Lord. Make straight your path and make, make the way for the Lord. So he was he was a forerunner, and, and that's what he did for their first coming. But Elijah also, I think, will be... Well, without a shadow of a doubt, I saw Elijah. He is going to, again, he hasn't died. According to the Bible, he was caught up into heaven. 
and he's going to die in the book of Revelations where both the two witnesses were killed. So Elijah is going to die in the great tribulation as he's prophesying against the beast system. Okay? And then he's going to die and, and, and then he'll be resurrected, I think, in three days. So that, that is going to happen. And, and, and absolutely that is going to happen. But the spirit of Elijah was the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight ways and paths for your feet and prepare the way of the Lord. So this, Elijah will come again before the coming of Christ. Okay? And will begin to declare this. And begin to preach the things of the kingdom and call nations to repentance. He will, he will come against the Antichrist system and, and John the Baptist came across, came against the Antichrist system of his day. He, he dealt with Herod, and they cut off his head and put it on a charter. Okay? So, and Jesus said that he came in the spirit of Elijah. Again, Elijah is going to, is going to come. He's going to deal with the spirits that are of an Antichrist system, and he will also be killed. Okay? Possibly by beheading, since in the book of Revelations, it talks about that. Okay? But resurrection is going to happen. So I believe we are in the end times. Um, I'll give another supernatural experience. I was praying about, Lord, where's the Antichrist coming from? And I had a supernatural experience where I all of a sudden was in the Middle East. And it's hard to say that this was a dream and not a... Not a uh, not, you know, what do you call it, uh, like Elijah being caught up in the spirit and going somewhere else. It sure seemed a lot like that. I'm not going to nail it all down. Take it up with the Lord. I'm not here to even teach a, teach on that. But all of a sudden, I was caught up in the spirit. That's, that's, that's not hyperbole or, you know, trying to be like melodramatic. But literally, I was caught up in the spirit. And the next minute, I was in the Middle East. And I was in a conference, like a convention center that might hold like, a, you know, I don't know, like huge amount of people, like, you know, huge amount of people. And, um, and there was a young man that was being introduced, and I could not make him out. But I knew he was the Antichrist, and Jesus was on my right-hand side. And I said, I can't see him. And so all of a sudden, the Lord heard my thoughts. And I went from the back of the area all the way up to the Antichrist. And I was this far away from his face. He was a young, a young Persian looking man. He, he looked as if though he was a prince. One thing I know, noticed about him also, he seemed somewhat infeminate. The Bible talks about that he will not have a desire for women. Okay? So he's probably, you know... YouTube doesn't like us using that term, you know, homosexual. But reality is, that's uh, that's an abomination. And so, okay, but the Antichrist it says he had no desire for women. Okay, in other words, he was he was uh, the word iniquity means to be twisted. So he's twisted. The Antichrist is somebody who's twisted. He was a prince. I could tell he had been spoiled, and I could see he was infeminate. And, and he was there, but he was dressed, and he had great arrogance. Okay? So the Antichrist will rise up, as it talks about in Isaiah, as it, it talks about, if you understand the locations of the Bible, it's going to happen in the Middle East. Okay? All right? 
It's it's crystal centrality and it's Middle East centrality in the Bible. I know we're narcissists and we can't accept that it's not about us. You mean everything's not about me? <laughs> yes, everything is not about you. Actually, it's about God's chosen people. He made a covenant about Israel. It's all going to go down in the Middle East. That's a fact. Jacob and Isaac. Jacob, what? Well, it's it's Ishmael. It's Ishmael. 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 Sorry. Hey, Gary or any of the one of you guys have any thoughts? Okay, yeah. Let's go back. In fact, that the beginner. He's going to come from that Middle East, from that territory. Again, this gets back to Revelation, where he defines the territory. It's the territory that would have been ancient Babylonia, the empire there. Let's say, if you time the, let's say, Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, like that. Then we fast forward into the conquest of Persia, the empire of that. And then we go into this layer form of, of course, Greece under Alexander. And the divisions with his generals of Seleucus, Cassander, Lysimachus, and Ptolemy. Okay, his empires were divided with those four generals. They just uh, assumed crowns and, and stuff like that. Okay, now, he's going to come to that area in the Middle East, we assume. We're going to have to assume, likely, Syria. Okay, Syria, Turkey, and Iraq area. Again, that would have been that ancient territory. We think in terms of that maybe northern end of Mesopotamia. Now, what is his antichrist? We assume, it's like John described, he'll probably, well, we'll say, uh, Queer, and we'll leave it that. Okay? <laughs> and, uh, but also, it definitely immerse in aspects of perhaps the occult and things like that. Uh, and of course, Revelation doesn't real, really. Because in the Bible, it calls the Antichrist system, mm -hmm. it talks, it, it's, it's, a, it's in conjunction to the mystery religions mm -hmm. or, or Babylon. Let me yeah. get a little of that. Babylon has to yeah. do with what we get the word babbling from. Okay? It's, it's okay, literally. And, and Babylon was, was the mystery uh, uh, religions. Um, Nimrod actually was an Nephilim. He was. He was the, the, the product of. Yes, he was, he was a, the, the product of the Watchers. That's what history says. If you do a study, they will tell you that he was the product. That's what history says. That's what the claim of Nimrod was, that he was, a, he was the product of a god. That, would, that is, supernatural being that came into, as a deceptor, as a deceiver, uh, saying they were uh, gods, but in truth they were only uh, uh, cursed creatures, not disembodied spirits. And so that's what the claim was. Okay? That was what the claim was in those days that Nimrod was the ox, uh, ox you know, uh, breed of offspring of, of the gods. Now this idea about Mount Olympus what country is that again in? Well, you know, Greece. Greece. Okay, Greece. Be made. Can I interrupt you real quick? Go ahead. Okay. There's also indicates that, yeah, Nimrod was a giant too. Yeah. Okay. Good Good point. History says that Nimrod was a giant as well. Okay. That's right. Who's the giants coming from? Not from regular people because let's go to biology 101. That's why, listen, guess what? Evolution is stupidity. I'm going to just get a little into that. You, you listen. It's evolution has never been proven. It's been disproven. It is a theory that there's no missing link that's ever been found. And 
animals and people do not evolve. We adapt. Adaptation is not evolution. Breeds do not change. Types do not. God said that everything will produce after its kind. So a chicken will produce after its kind. A duck will produce after its kind. A bull will produce after its kind. Lots of different types of chickens. I've got several. I've got 13 of them. They're not all the same types of chickens. Lots of different types of dogs, but they're all dogs. They're all canines. Okay? So evolution, this evolving, has never happened. No evidence of it. So what? And biology destroys this. Okay? It's simply a possibility because the double helix, the, the genome, the language that's in there, it produces after its kind. It does not do abnormal things begin to create other beasts and other creatures. This is possible. Second thing is, this, is the law of thermodynamics. Second law, entropy. Things, things when they break down, they begin to pull apart. They begin to, the entropy happens, breakdown. Evolution says that things are getting better, and it, it, it's denying the second law of thermodynamics. It's never happened. Things are not getting better. They're getting worse, Okay. And, and that's the way it is. And that's why Adam, his DNA was perfect. That's why people lived, and one of the reasons I believe they lived like a thousand years. Why are we doing like 120 now? Well, there's a couple reasons. But one of the reasons is, look at a copy is never as good as the original. So we're a copy of 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 a copy. Okay? And and so, so that's the reality. So look at Nimrod was a giant. He was the offspring of a watcher. That's right. And this has been perpetrated throughout the earth. And we're talking about Mount Olympus, which is in Greece. Or, uh, look it. And what is the theory there? That these gods came down. That's what it's about. They had some, they had the, like again, these gods have a fling always. In all these cultures, they, they're ingenious, they're godlike. But they're always, they're always wanting to hang out with the corporeal, temporal, limited human women. Interesting. We got this narrative throughout all the histories of the world, well, many of the histories of the world. And we see the evidence of giants through many histories of the world. The Smithsonian, okay, had evidence and they destroyed it all. Why? Because it, and you're, there's different books on giants. Uh, what's the one, uh, the book on giants that you just had? Are you and Gary Good? Genesis 6 Giants by Stephen Quayle. Okay. Um, say that again? It's, it's called Genesis 6 Giants by, Steve, by Stephen Quayle. Okay. And I read the book by uh, L.A. Mazzulli on giants. Listen, giants have been discovered throughout the earth, but the, the Smithsonian Institute covered them up. But if you read these books, you'll see that there's evidence that there was giants throughout the whole world. So why would they cover it up? Because it doesn't go with the false narrative of Darwinian evolution. It goes with the Genesis 6 narrative of the watchers, the sons of God, knowing the daughters of men. So it flips us out of all this atheism and brings us into a, the Bible as a book that can be trusted. So what it's all about deception. That's what this is all about. It's deception. So like uh, Gary, he's, he's talked about, I mean, the, the areas, the, the names of, of the locations, but all of us have just studied this, okay? So we're going to need to look to 
Israel and what's going on over there that more than anything else is going to affect and predict and prophesy the end times and look for an antichrist that will rise up out of the Middle East as the Bible said, when you've got your facts in order, when you know the, the geology and the locations of which have now been discovered. But a lot of things don't get updated. Why? Because people hate to let their idols die. So people continue to preach, you know, Rome is going to be the Antichrist. It's going to come out of Russia. All this other different narrative. No, the Middle East is going to be the place where the Antichrist is going to arise. That's what the Bible says, okay? So, so do your study. Go ahead. And, and the Bible talks about Babylon. Babylon. The new Babylon, it will be a fort city, and when it's destroyed, all the um, the uh, the sailors will weep when they see it from far away. So Babylon was located in the land of Shinar. Modern-day Shinar. That's right. That's right. That's right. right. Iraq, you know, Iraq. parts of Saudi Arabia. That's right. Yeah. Good point. And um, bin, uh, the king, uh, prince or king bin Salman of Saudi Arabia has got plans to build a brand new city called Niam, which means new, on on the ocean side near the uh, the Strait of Hormuz, right? So this would this could potentially become one of the greatest port cities in the world. Mm -hmm. And the other thing about it, that Neon will be the only part of Saudi Arabia where you will be allowed to practice Christianity or any other religion. Because the rest of Saudi Arabia, yeah. all of the only thing that is allowed is Islam. You will get your head cut off if they find out you're a Christian. And the, the other point I wanted to make, if you want to learn more about this, read Joel, Joel Richardson's books. And he's even got a YouTube channel and gets into very uh he gets into the depths of all of this. It's very good. That's where I learned it from. Can I point out something the modern Middle East right now, such as United Arab Emirates, of course they're building what is called this Abrahamic uh, family house in UAE. The the Gulf stage such as the Gulf States Cooperation Council is definitely really vast development projects in it's not just Dubai vast network of rail systems seem to go right there. But how do we look at the Bible in terms of, okay, these sailors from far off see Babylon being destroyed? Again, we have modern communication systems such as satellite and television. Here it is, Babylon. Maybe it gets nuked. Yeah. Okay? Boom. And you're going to see it live. You, you see it live on television. Not a problem. If you're a merchant, doesn't have, you don't have to be, when they say they see the smoke, well, again, they could be watching this on, on ship, on TV, and says, oh, man, this is it. It's over with. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of modern communications, that can happen. But we, we're trying to say it's Mecca. Not exactly. No. I, I'm going to assume, make the best guess, that Russia is very good. Okay. The rest is to the point that the Antichrist will probably build around that old city, maybe this modern town and. The center will be this archaeological area, but what prevents them from basically with tapping into the oil wealth and say, I'm going to build this this new city. And of course, the carry on the old, maybe the actual revival of the Babylonian religion. I'm going to get something pretty wild here. Look at Go ahead. So we know the location of, mm -hmm. of Babylon. It's, exactly. not, it's not America. No. We may, be, we may have been a, in senses of spiritual Babylon, mm -hmm. 
But I'm going to tell you something right now, and I believe God's going to make some changes there. But the Babylon is located in the Middle East. Okay. Scripture. Okay. Babylon was the creator of what we call the mystery religions. Now, this has got to do with people like the Rothschilds, the Van Packers, these different people like this, people that are involved in the, the Jesuits, the Illuminati, the Freemasons. Yeah. All of these people are a part of the, the Rothschilds or whatever. They're all a part of mystery religions. This is Babylon system. Okay, Babylon. What is, what, what's happening in, in Babylon? Nimrod, who's a giant, mm-hmm. the, the history about him, they say that he was a son of a god. Yeah. Sound familiar to Genesis 6? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be, okay, in the end times. Is the Antichrist a hybrid chimera of of a a watcher or a statement? or of a well yeah but I'm just saying is there something going on there okay oh, uh, but a watcher is watchers have physical um, you know the biology that is what is is believed that's because angels don't okay and and therefore and men cannot produce 35 feet people in the natural genome of your double helix it's an impossibility again don't throw your brain out use your brain okay you don't get you don't get a 6 foot woman that marries a 5 foot guy and you have 35 foot people it, it doesn't happen okay it doesn't happen you don't have you don't have a guy that's that's 7 foot who marries a 6 foot woman and they have 25 foot people you don't have it but yet the bible says this and it says it 19 times in the Bible. And then again, we see this throughout the history of the world. We see this this the, in the Greece thought that you know these this Apollo, these these gods are are they gods or not gods at all? Okay, they're the offsprings, offsprings of the Watchers had supernatural powers and they were giants. Okay, this is what was going on. And they deceived people because they were half-breeds, that they were gods. They, they did it in India. They did it in China. This is history. Every one of these countries I'm talking about says the gods came down. That's what they say. Gods came down, interbred with the women. This is even said in, in, in Latin countries that the, the giants came down, took themselves women's, and, and this is where they got their stuff from. And that's, they say, where they got their knowledge from. That's why we see an acceleration, as it appears, from people not knowing much in the earth. And then there's this massive acceleration. Well, if you read the book of Enoch, it says that the watchers gave them all this information about astrology and the cosmos and all of these things and magic arts and, and everything. So... There's a little more going on here than people recognize. Go ahead, Gary. I'm going to ask a very quick question. Are this Antichrist, would there be reason to believe that he will be like a man in terms of Nephilim, demonic, and maybe a natural woman? Would that be possible? I think that's a possibility. I think that what we have is something that's very wicked that's happening. And, um, you know, some people want to change your mRNA. You ought to be very careful about that, okay? Okay, because that's what also happened 
as it was in the days of Noah. We know that they were changing. If you read the book of Giants, the book of Enoch, they were changing the DNA. Okay, there was chimeras. Okay, and listen, Noah, the Bible said, he, he was perfect in his genome. Why? Why did God say to kill all these people? It seems cruel, right? Go out and kill every single one of them and take even bash their children against the rocks. Seems pretty radical. It's, it's not radical when you realize that they are the seeds of the watchers trying to keep the Messiah from coming. This was a, te- a tactic to keep Christ from coming because he was a genetically perfect seed. He was a lamb without spot, which is talking about genetics. Jesus was perfect. He was from the, the, the root of, of uh, what is it, the, the stem of Jesse and the root of David. Perfectly genetic. So we see that the, the Pharaoh tries to kill all of the firstborn in Egypt. Why? Because he knows that the Messiah is coming. His different soothsayers and divination people uh, reading and studying the stars and listening to different ancient uh, uh, writings, they determined that there was going to be a, a deliverer. It wasn't Jesus, but a deliverer. And, and they thought it was like Christ, but it wasn't. And the devil doesn't, didn't know, he doesn't have supernatural revelation. And it wasn't Christ, but it was Moses. What he also did you? He's trying to destroy the seed, the, the perfect seed that's going to pass on down. Jesus is, is being born, conceived of by the Holy Spirit, uh, by, by Mary. And what is, what is Herod trying to do? Kill all the young people. Why? Because he's got to destroy the seed, the pure seed. So why did God say in the Old Testament, go and kill the, the Canaanites? Why go, go and kill them, okay, the Philistines? Because they were interbred. Their blood was imperfect, they were the offspring of the watchers, and they were cursed. They were not what God had created, which was perfect. Even the animals were. Yeah, but they were, and so therefore they were not perfect. Okay, we're not to mess with our mRNA. Okay, we don't want to do that. So be very careful if you you do that. Okay, and I'm not going to talk. You want to ask me why I'm saying that? Well, you can ask me off program. We can't discuss this on program. But don't let anybody mess with your mRNA. Okay. Because that's a genetically changing who you are, okay? You were created perfect, just the way you were by God. Don't let any anybody talk you into changing who you are, okay? Because there was hybridization during the times uh, uh, during the times of the flood. There was, okay? And so, as it was in the days of Noah, we see this. They say that China has already began to create uh, chimeras complete success, but they're hiding it right now. Because because we've got all these sanctions. You can't do this, you can't do this. Listen, people are doing, in fact, that the China's trying to create these uh, this military that is like half human and other things so that they can be like unstoppable. Okay? It's a fact. Okay? So this is the times we're living in. So what is the thing? It is an age of deception. An age of deception. You got the the wrong location. That's deception. That's deception. Okay. That's deception. You don't even have it where the Bible says it in the ancient places where it says. That's deception. Okay. These UFOs, these extraterrestrials that are extra dimensionals, 
which are really a Nephilim, fallen ones, the, the sons of the, they are the sons of the watchers. When they die, okay, they become the Nephilim. Okay, well, that is these spiritual beings, demons. Be careful that you are aware of deception. Okay, um, amen. So let me just say hi to everybody, and I think I'm going to call it a day today. All right. So, all right. I just hey there again. My brother Mike was here. God bless you, Johnny Davis. Good morning, Theo, Sammy. God bless you. Amen. Lily, God bless you. Tony. Okay. Amen. Uh, God bless you. Amen. Latoya, God bless you. Viviana, God bless you. Daniel, God bless you. Denise, God bless you. Well, God bless you all. So this is, uh, anyways, just, just kind of, I figured I'd bring on the two brothers that live here on the ministry place, and uh, maybe I'll show you a video inside the place that we restored for the brother to live in, and, uh, you know, and uh, we, um, I'm going to get off target here on some stuff, but um, we went out here, was it last, it wasn't last Saturday, it was the other Saturday. We went out... uh, and uh, had some fun. I would say had some fun. We did, and and uh, did some feeding. My car had to get fixed, so we couldn't do it this coming Saturday. That Saturday just passed. But we went down. Um, you know, didn't you pray for somebody the one time and see him healed down there when we were uh, feeding the homeless and, and preaching? Okay. Let me know down specifically. Go to you know down down to G Street in Fresno. Gary, kind of pull your chair a little this oh, way. Oh, okay, not about just not just about. A, a couple inches. You're not good. Down. They can see you now. Okay. We go down in terms of going down to uh, G Street and being those people down here, and this is being like a biblical uh, command to help the poor, and we want to do that. Now, I get to get to the point that yes, I prayed for a guy who had arthritis, and what he told me, I was healed. Had like an arthritic problem, and he was healed there. And it's like, oh wow, that happened. But it's like one of those things. So I'm going to tell you something that Jesus Christ does heal. I want to emphasize this. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, and it's like me. Hey, I'm not sure what's going on here, but sometimes I said, hey, pray for this man. I figure some uh, like the spirit said, hey, just pray for me. And it's like, okay, okay. How you feeling? I said, hey man, this is gone. It's like, all right, miracle. Amen. Amen. So we went down. Did you enjoy getting out there? Did you yeah. pray with anybody, or did you just just pass out food? I just pass out food. Okay, but it's it's a blessing, right? Yeah. I mean, and I'll it, do it again, folks. Yeah, yeah. No problem. Yeah, and we, we've done this off and on. I did it. I've been doing this for years. Me and Gary have gone out many yes. times, and um, yes. we're going to be doing this. Like, uh, I'm not going to get into all of it here on the program, but I I, I have a ministry. That helps people that, um, I don't want to get into too much details here, because it will overwhelm. But anyways, we're we're doing the call that Jesus said to clothe the naked, feed the hungry. We're we're doing that. And and to what degree, I'm I'm not going to get into that. But we went down, um, I think we bought about $200 worth of food, and we couldn't pass it all out, because we got there too late. But we were able to get rid of a lot of food. I prayed over a lot of people. Um, what amazes me 
is that I'm praying over people, and I'll lay hands on people and just start praying for them. And, you know, and this has happened the time that we went before me and you, before he came yeah. here. This has happened the time that, he, that that all three of us went out there passing out food mm-hmm. and, and, and doing that. Was that, you know, people actually that you're praying for that are homeless are like, what in the world? They're like, I feel the, I feel the power and the presence of God. And, and that is so, so beautiful that look at, even if I share this, right, I'm going to lose the reward of giving it. But one reward I can never lose, so I'm sharing this, and I know that you lose your reward by sharing this. That's okay. But I'll tell you something, one reward you can't ever lose, okay? But you got to share some stuff like this at some point. Uh, but that's why I say I don't talk about all the things I do. But listen, the reward that will never be taken away from you is the joy that you see on people's face when you give them food. They're thankful. They're happy. Sometimes you get a hug from people. And, and, and there's such, it's so, I don't know, it's so, like real. it's so real. And it's so, it's so, you know, when you're a servant and you put others above yourself and your own needs, it transcends all this materialism. So, you know, you pray for somebody and when you value somebody, one of the things I always do with homeless people is I always pray for them and I say, you are very valuable. You're created in the very image of God. God doesn't make any junk or trash or anything that he throws away. And I pray over people. That, you know, In fact, last time we went, I shared with these guys, I prayed. I walked up to a guy and I, I try to be prophetic. Okay? And, and, and I'm not perfect in my prophetic always, but I'm like, Lord, speak to me and anoint my words that they hit the target. And I went up to this black man and I went and prayed for this gentleman. And I just said, hey, sir, uh, I'd like to pray for you. And he said, you can, you can pray for me. And I started off with the thing I usually say, you're very valuable and important to God. That's why he said Jesus to save you. Then I began to t- say some words that, that, that I felt were applicable and, and just talking by faith. And when I was done, the man looked up at me and he said, were you sent here? That's what he said to me. Were you sent here? And I thought about it, and I said, yes. And he said, who sent you? And I said, God. And then his eyes got really, really big. (laughs) Because whatever I said hit target. Hit target on what he felt he was going through and what he was struggling with. And and I didn't know that. I, I just try to pray and speak whatever comes to my heart. I, that's so awesome. So, you know, you can get out there and, and give somebody a piece of bread. You can pass out Gatorades. Doesn't take a degree to do it. I never. Jesus never said I was hungry and and the people with degrees fed me. I was hungry and he said he didn't say you have to be a prophet to feed people. He didn't say you have to be a pastor to feed people. He didn't say you have to be an apostle to feed people. He didn't say you have to be an evangelist to feed people. You just have to have a heart. And Jesus said, I was hungry and you fed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and came to visit me. I was in prison you came to visit me. So you don't have to have any degrees or anything. And it's better that all we're doing is just going out there. Nobody's, I didn't train Gary or... Uh, or uh, this brother here to do it, but we did say in Jesus' name, right? We told every person, in Jesus' name, we give this to you. Because we're not doing humanitarian aid. 
I don't have time for humanitarian aid, but I don't believe I have a right to preach to people and tell them that if they don't receive Christ, you're going to go to hell, and then say, guess what? Be cold, be hungry. No. I think that I ought to meet as much of their material needs as I can so that I have actually built an attitude of, 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 uh, you know, of integrity so they say, hey, look, you're not just preaching the gospel, you're fulfilling it. And you're not just telling us we need Jesus, you're showing us Jesus by practical love. And so that's something we're going to do again. This this Saturday we're going to do it again. Um, Amen. Yeah, and, and, and we're going to do it again. But the thing is, is, you know, pray for us. The timing might be a little different than usual. We'll not, not be able to go long there because I think you're going to get your motorcycle on Saturday. So we might have to just get out there, and it's okay because I'll just take all the leftover uh, stuff that we have since they're non-perishable foods and non-perishable drinks. I can put them in my office, and then we can go out again on another Saturday and do the same thing. But that's just a small thing, you know, that we do here. Um, so, you know, just a part of it. But this is actually where we do live, and uh, and I would encourage you that you don't have to get a degree you don't have to go to Bible school. You can do this yourself, right? And you can you can go out and minister to people and, and become the gospel. So, amen. Just give me a second. I can't quite see everything. And uh, I can't see anything without my glasses, actually. But God bless you. Daniel, God bless you. Amen. God bless you all. Amen. I'm going to have to get up and turn this off. It doesn't look real professional, but... We might do some more of this, and we'll, we'll pray and ask the Lord to lead and guide and direct all of us here. And, and we do pray for you every morning, by the way. Amen. I don't just say that. You know, that's, you know, like I said before, I hate when I grew up as a Christian people, I would say, are you going to pray for me? And they would say, yeah, but they never did. I don't remember all the prayer requests, but I do intercession for everyone that watches the program. Um, he does, folks. Yeah. Well, yeah, Gary says he does, folks. Yeah, because that's what we... That's, But it's not even anything noble, by the way. And I'll say this in the final. There's nothing noble about feeding the homeless. Get, get this. Jesus said, after you've done everything that I said to do, say you're an unprofitable servant doing the will of God. So look, there's nothing noble for interceding for the saints. All saints are supposed to be praying for one another. Paul said, every time I think about you, I pray for you. Nothing noble about that. There's nothing noble about giving out a Gatorade and some and some non-perishable foods that people can keep outside. There's, there's nothing um, noble if you've got clothes and you don't keep them because you're rich and you go out in comparison, right? right? You, if, you, if you've got more than one shirt, you're rich. And you take some of your clothes that you don't want anymore and, and your shoes and you give that stuff out. Listen. That's not noble, right? If you put a little finances in and you buy some food and you get some clothes, whatever you do, that's not actually noble. It's actually what God expects of you. God expects you to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked. That's not really optional if you're in the kingdom of God. Jesus said to those, he said, I was hungry and you didn't feed me. To the, to the goats, he said, I was naked and you didn't clothe me. I was in prison, you didn't come and visit me. I was in the hospital, you didn't come pray for me. He said, depart from me into everlasting fire. So this really isn't optional, okay? When Jesus said, I was sick, and you visited me, that's that's not optional. 
Okay, Gary prayed for that guy, and and who healed him? Jesus did, right? Okay, and that and we expect more of that. See, if you lay hand, now, he said he'd never seen that happen before, and I said it happened because you reached your hand out and prayed. See, you'll never see a miracle unless you reach out your hand and pray. I've heard a lot of people. I pray for them, and they tell me, "Wow, I feel the power of God." And I'm like, I'm, I, and I'm like, this isn't a church. We're on the streets. These people are homeless. And they're like, they feel the glory of God coming down and touching them, okay? So the glory of God is not contained in earthen vessels. It's not only allowed in brick-and-mortar churches. The glory of God can go with you wherever you go. Moses said, I'm not going unless your glory is going with me. We are the containers of the glory of God. We should expect for people like Gary to pray for an arthrit, for somebody with arthritis and for them to be healed. Because Jesus said, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. We should expect that we should say some things that, that are prophetic and, and somebody says, man, who, who sent you here? We, we should just expect it. it should, we shouldn't consider it extraordinary, extraordinary. We shouldn't consider it because God wants to do the extraordinary through the ordinary. We're just regular people. That's it. I put on one pant leg at a time. That's it. We're all made of the same material. The difference is how do you use your 24 hours and your day? Are you putting Jesus and the kingdom of God first, or are you putting your four and no more? And that's it. So there's nothing extraordinary about a miracle, okay? It's normal for God, but God will do the extraordinary through the ordinary. That's you and me, okay? So we can be be the gospel to everybody we see. So I would motivate you to do that. You know, I went out, I, and, and I've done different stuff. I'm not going to talk about it. I won't lose all my rewards, so I'm not going to talk about it. But I've gone out and done different things for people for, for a long time. And, I'm, and a lot of times, I don't know how to do it. When when one brother, we had we had uh, like a, a factory here almost of making uh, big packages and stuff. I never had the idea. And then what we did is we, uh, together, we packaged. I think, I, were you here when we did the big sandwiches, packages, and bags, or you not I living mean, here? I mean, not a big here. Okay. I've not been in the time of the crowd. I was down... Okay, so he was in the back. Okay, so we did this big thing where we did like 50, 50 lunches. I didn't know how to do the lunches. And everybody contributed on what you should do. Okay, and so it's like somebody says, look it. Homeless people, they, they actually want to feel like they're, they have dignity and nobility. So they like deodorant. Okay, uh, the women need fem- feminine products. They like to shave. It makes them feel good. So, so these are things that you can bring to a homeless person. They like to have a toothbrush. It makes them feel good. Give them some type of non-perishable protein snacks because because there's protein snacks you can give them that are going to help them because they because they need something. Okay, they don't always have food. Obviously, strokes and heart attacks happen because of dehydration. Bring something that you, they can drink. Okay, so my point is, you know, I've learned from others as I've gone out. I remember years ago when I was feeding someone, a homeless guy came up to me and I was feeding people peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. (laughs) And and the homeless guy came up to me and he said, hey, you know, you might think of giving us a water. And it was a really nice way of saying you've given us peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and we're choking. I hadn't thought about it. Okay, I didn't know about it, 
So there's no qualifications for doing this, okay? And, and so you don't have to have any qualifications really at all. All you got to do is know Jesus. That's it. And you can do things for other people. Amen? And don't tell everybody. That's why I'm not telling you what I do. Uh, this, this, Through this ministry, I'll tell you this. Through the money that has been given to this ministry, it's a 5013 ministry, okay, that this this ministry gives more than than legal charities do. I'm not a charity. I'm a 5013C, okay? But I, I, I know what charities do, and, and more is done through here than those charities. That's 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 the reality. And so it doesn't require all these different things to do the kingdom of God. What it does require is you. It requires where God says he's looking through the whole earth to find a man or a woman that will stand up and stand up and, and stand up. And, and what is it? He says to stand in the gap and to make up the hedge. And God is looking for interceders throughout the earth. And Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. So uh, uh, Elijah says, you know, God's saying, I'm looking to send somebody. And then Elijah says, or is it Ezekiel? I forget. I think it's Ezekiel. He says, send me, Lord. Listen, God isn't waiting for you to be qualified. God is not looking for the qualified. God is looking for the yielded. God is looking for the humble. God is looking for the available. He's not looking for degrees or pedigrees. He's looking for people that are available to do what God asks. That's it. And we are nothing if we do what God says. There's nothing noble about it. It's inhuman if you if you see somebody have an accident in a car and you pass it up. It's, it's inhuman. If, you, if someone tells you, hey, man, I don't have any money to feed my kids, and you say, hey, get away from me, that's inhuman. We're, the world's become inhuman because of the wealth. The Bible says before Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed, it was not because of the sexual sin, which was an abomination, but the Bible said it was because they forgot God because of the wealth and the ease that they had. Many of us, and it said they forgot the poor. Are we like Sodom and Gomorrah today? Well, we see these people running around just like Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Right? They don't even know, they, they don't know what they are or what gender they are. They have all these different kind of things going on. But, but have we forgotten the poor because of our own fatness and our own wealth? Because if we have, we're like Sodom and Gomorrah. And I think we are in many ways. And the Bible says that they were, they were fat and happy and didn't consider the oppressed. That was first what happened before they get onto the terrible depravity and evil. They first got fat on their laurels and fed their faces, and it was therefore and no more. Don't worry about your neighbor. Well, you, you, the, your, the church is to worry about its neighbor. Okay, that's the kingdom of God. Okay, we're called to love people. Ministry is a manifestation of love. It's always about other people. Amen. I think that's all I'm going to say today. I got to walk to the camera and turn this off. Do you guys have any closing thoughts or anything? By the way, you don't want to. You got anything here? You're good? Okay, I'm going to say one thing. Hey, folks, I can tell you something right straight out. I know a lot of good, wonderful, good, conservative patriots out there who love Trump. Yeah, I like Trump here. But I'm going to tell you something right straight out. Right straight out. I have loyalty to a kingdom, not a country. 
Perhaps there are none of you patriots out there probably would like to put a bullet in my head, but I'm not. Hey, I'm a kingdom uh, aligned top person. So I've heard prophecies about future civil war and how we're going to get divided up. Well, I, I got a message for both of you that left this type of I'm not interested. And you patriots, where were you when our unborn were being murdered? Where were you? And you ain't going to like my questions. So I want you to understand. Why do I do this stuff with John here? This is kingdom. This is loyalty to a king. This is the duties of somebody who's in the kingdom. What about the rest of you? What are you doing out there? You're doing nothing. So I'm going to say something straight up here. I I have supreme loyalty to, to uh, not this country, but to a kingdom. So if there's anybody who's in the kingdom here, my loyalty, my duties and obligations as a kingdom person is to them, irregardless of race, ethnicity, or nationality. Amen. Straight up. Amen. So I'm sure a number of people don't like that. I don't give a flying rip. I'm a kingdom person. I'm for Jesus Christ. And the rest of you people better get something straight. Jesus Christ is going to come back and he's going to slam some sinners. You better get this straight. So you better right now, uh, right now, you better choose your loyalties right now. Is it the world or is it the kingdom of God? And you better make it right now because uh, things are going to get really un- horrifically unreal in this country. So, I'm going to say that. Amen. 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 I, I agree. Listen. I The Bible says our citizenship is not of this earth. And that means whatever happens in this world should not affect us because no. God is Jehovah Jireh. It's not Jehovah government. Mm-hmm. It's not Jehovah your boss. It's not Jehovah your, your parents. It's not Jehovah your in-laws. Listen, it's Jehovah Jireh. He's your provider. And and there is a president in this country uh, that could be disputed, but we're not doing that here on this program. But I'm going to tell you something. No matter whose president is, I have a king. And my citizenship is not a part of this world. And therefore, my loyalties are to Christ in the gospel. First and foremost, understand that. And, and God doesn't tell me as a Christian to take up arms and start killing people. Jesus was telling the disciples to get a sword for for defending themselves. He never, ever, ever, ever told his people to go out and kill people. Okay? That is unbiblical. We are to love our enemies or to turn the other cheek if it's possible. We can defend our families, but you're not going to find that kind of nonsense in the New Testament. Okay? We don't see that the, the 12 disciples, once Judas died, they created a martial arts system, and they're out kicking everybody's butt. Okay, you guys are smoking some kind of crack or something. Okay, because it ain't legit. We're to love our enemies. There will be a possible civil war. I've seen it in visions. Mm-hmm. I shared those visions with Gary many years ago. No, Gary's, had, it, yeah. Gary's had visions of, of the civil war. We've mm-hmm. expected these things to come, but we don't want to be out killing people. If anything, we want to be out putting band-aids on people, pouring in the water, pouring in the oil, praying over people. Mm-hmm. We want to be the gospel incarnate. That's what we want to do. We're not we're not a part of hatred. I renounce all that hatred that's out there among Christians who say they hate the Democrats, they hate the Muslims. I hate nobody. I'm a Christian. If, if I hate anybody, I'm a murderer, literally. And the Bible says no murder has eternal life. So we are not a part of the bitterness and the hatred that is going on in this world. We will not be a part of it because we 